episode number 54. 54. And today we have a spotlight on a really uh, honored guest for me. And I'll tell you a little bit more about why in in a couple of minutes. But Dr. Tony Alessandro, let me tell you a little bit about who he is. He he says that he has a streetwise, college smart perspective, and that's my my experience as well on business and having been raised in the housing projects in New York City. He has some stories to tell, and eventually <laughs> moved beyond that and realized uh, success as a graduate professor of marketing, internet entrepreneur, business author, Hall of Fame keynote speaker. He earned a BBA from Notre Dame, which, you know, we'll have to keep him from talking about Notre Dame because he's a big fan. Um, an MBA from the University of Connecticut, a PhD in marketing in 1976 from Georgia State University. He is the founder and chairman of his current business, Assessment 24-7 LLC. It's a company that offers a wide variety of assessments, including the DISC profile, which I'm sure we can mm-hmm. talk a little bit about today. And here's a big one, Emotional Intelligence 360, which there's a lot of research on the importance of that in today's world. Uh, motivators, which is a values assessment, and several other 360-type uh, assessments. He's a prolific author of 32 books. You know, reading his bio just makes me tired. I think I should just leave. It makes me feel tired. <laughs> so I'm going to just just stop here because there's so much to talk about uh, with regard to uh, Dr. Tony Alessandra. And I will say he is not only a dear friend of Bersabo and mine, but he also was my, one of my very early business mentors. So it's very special to have you here today. Tony, yes. welcome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So where do we start? In fact, why don't we start at the beginning? Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Other than what we've already talked about, maybe you want to talk about the New York City childhood. I don't know. And how you got started. You've been in business a long time. So tell us a little bit about your story, if you would. Yeah. So as you said, I, I grew up in New York City. My father was a New York City cab driver back you know, back in the 50s, uh, we, I lived in the projects, uh, which is the low income high rise buildings. Um, we eventually moved to Brooklyn, uh, Coney Island area, then to New Jersey and the Jersey Shore, Seaside Heights, Tom's River. Uh, went to typically, I was brought up in Catholic schools. Last two years of high school was a public school, Tom's River High School. Uh, but of course, Notre Dame is Catholic. So if you look at my first 16 years, 14 of them were in Catholic schools. Uh, and I'm sure that had, you have a lot of stories to tell about that too, right? <laughs> oh, I, I do. I do. And my knuckles are healed. From the uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. So anyway, I, I uh, went off to Notre Dame. Uh, it was, I actually was going to go to Rutgers, which was the state university in New Jersey where I was living. But my, my mother really wanted me to go to Notre Dame because of the prestige. My parents only had enough money to pay for my first year. And I lucked out between my freshman and sophomore year. I got a job selling cookware door to door. And that was, uh, that was the first big break. I Earned enough money uh, in the summer of '96, of, of the summer of '66, to pay for all my tuition, room, board, spending money, travel—you name it. Uh, made a lot of money selling cookware. And it's interesting, as a side note, uh, as I was selling cookware door to door in New Jersey, uh, a top salesperson was selling cookware in Texas uh, by the name of Zig Ziglar. Oh, we mm-hmm. both were selling the same exact cookware called Salad Master. Wow. Well, I did that uh, between my uh, my sophomore and junior years, uh, which was 67, did that in 68, uh, and paid for all of my, my education. When I graduated Notre Dame, uh, went for my physical for Vietnam, and I failed it because of an injury that I incurred playing rugby at Notre Dame. So, uh, 
Wow. That, was, that was interesting. Went to UConn, got my MBA there, and uh, spent three years teaching at the university level, first at Susquehanna mm -hmm. University in Pennsylvania uh, for two years, and then at uh, Cal State Fullerton for a year. And I figured, hey, you know, it was 1972, 73, uh, and I really enjoyed university level teaching. So I decided to go back and, and uh, get my PhD, went to Georgia State. The reason I picked Georgia State, uh, early on in my life, uh, I had read three books that I, I think really had a big impact on me. One was Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, mm -hmm. uh, which was the mechanics of the mind. Uh, a second was, believe it or not, uh, 30 Days to a More Powerful Vocabulary, because I really did have an issue with vocabulary. I was, I was New York, Brooklyn, you know, <laughs> then being with those, uh, you know, used guys. Uh, so I had, a, I had a really improve my vocabulary and my diction, you know, in terms of speaking. But a third book was called uh, The Magic of Thinking Big by Dr. David Schwartz. Mm -hmm. It just so happened that at uh, Georgia State University in the marketing department, David Schwartz was a professor. I called up, asked him if he would be my dissertation chairman and work with me. He agreed, so I went to Georgia State. They also gave me a, a, a teaching position uh, as a, an instructor. So uh, it paid for all of my expenses while I lived there. Um, anyway, three years there uh, in 76, got my PhD, decided to stay in teaching, went to the University of San Diego, which is where I live now, San Diego, and where we met, uh, James. Uh, I, I was there for a little over two years when I had to make a decision. Do I want to stay in teaching or do I want to speak? And I actually started speaking a little while I was at Georgia State. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had at that point had taught for almost eight years, decided, you know, let me give full-time speaking uh, a try. So in uh, January of 79, became a full-time speaker. That summer, joined the National Speakers Association, and uh, I was off to the races. Now, here's an interesting thing. Back, because I'm going to tie it into the assessment business and why that intrigued me so much. You know, while I was getting my, my PhD, I finished all my coursework. Uh, I uh, went to the seminar sometime in 1974 after I had finished all my coursework. And it was built around uh, social styles, the four style model where they talked about the driver, expressive, amiable, analytical. Mm -hmm. And I was hooked just from this one, one evening. I looked at that. I went back to Dr. David Schwartz. I said, Dr. Schwartz, I want to change my dissertation topic. I want to do it on, on this subject. He said, absolutely not. You, you know, your, your proposal was accepted finish what you propose. And when you get out of here, if you want to go into the assessment business, do it. But what, what really intrigued me about assessments was back in 1973, while I was teaching at Cal State Fullerton, a student came to me and he showed me this uh, assessment he had taken. Uh, and it, it showed him what occupations he would be good at. Mm. And he said, you know, it's free for, for faculty and students. So I went and took it, looked at it. And uh, I said, this is ridiculous. There's no possible way on earth. Uh, I agreed with number two and three. I did not agree with number one. But number two was a salesperson. Yes, I was a salesperson. Number three was a marketing and merchandising. Yes, that's definitely me. Number one, I could not agree with. I took the wait, wait, results wait, wait, wait. of it. Number one was what? <laughs> I'll tell you in a second. I put it away. I filed it away. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it just, uh, this was 1973, filed it away. Back in, I guess it was the 90s, early 90s, I was going through all my file cabinets and scanning things. I come across this test. I could not believe number one, oh, public speaker. Oh. <laughs> Back in 73, it wasn't even in my, my frame of consciousness. Uh, you know, public wow. speaker, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> you know, I was a teacher, but not a public speaker. Uh, but anyway, was that, that test was so right on 
And uh, I said, you know, assessments really, really can dig into your mind. To me, I call it uh, an MRI of the mind. Mm. Uh, that, that's what assessments are. And that assessment nailed me. The first three uh, occupations were exactly what I excelled in and what I still excel in to this day. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, you came along in the, uh, what was it, like the mid to late 80s, I think it was probably maybe 87, was, 88. Yeah, about 86, 87. 86, uh, yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, then I was a professional speaker. I had already been in the, uh, inducted into the Speaker's Hall of Fame in 1985. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, and, and you know this, James, because we've talked about this over the years. Uh, as time went on, I started burning out with all the travel, it was just too grueling for me. I didn't like it. I liked speaking, uh, but I did not like the travel. Right. So in 2000 is when I finally said, you know what? I'm going to uh, build this assessment business and build it online and uh, build it with somebody that you sent to me. Uh, Brandon Parker. He, right. He's working with you. You sent him over to me, and uh, he's now my CEO and runs the company. That, I want, we want him back. Can we have him back? <laughs> I don't think um, so. <laughs> but but yeah. let, let me let me interject here because obviously uh, modern alchemy. What we talk about is transmutation, the mm -hmm. the art and science of transmutation, taking something and and turning it of low value sometimes and turning it into something of high value. Uh, taking one thing and making it something completely different, and you've already addressed that in many ways. Let me let me back up for a minute because you're you're in a completely different profession, obviously now, uh, even though there's a, a pathway. But I know you've been in business for a long time, and I know some of your story. In fact, you were I I went and saw you present years ago, and you started off with. Uh, an open one of your opening statements was I've gone from broke to self-made millionaire twice and the whole <laughs> audience laughs so you, you've gone through some down times and there's a lot of people dealing with down times right now in the world and so what I'd what I'd like to hear from you or what are your some some of your greatest lessons from your down times best lessons you've learned from the down times yeah, well, I would say uh, when I'm when I'm down, and there there truly weren't many times. I've I've been very blessed because I didn't have many real down downturns. But when when I, I hit something like that, my mantra is this too shall pass, and it, and it eventually does. But it really helps when you have somebody, which I have with Sue, for instance, my wife, uh, that you can commiserate with that can help support you that uh you know gives you those pats on the back that that you need to get through the downs you know uh, of course one of the big things when you said yeah i've been a millionaire twice uh i wonder if people could realize you know yes i've, I've been divorced so that was one time <laughs> where i lost the whole thing yeah and uh you know that was that was a downtime and then you know uh, one of my big real estate investments in Las Vegas sort of tanked. And, you know, that was I remember that. definitely more than a million dollar loss. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, I am uh, an optimist. I mean, really an optimist. So I always look for that little bit of silver lining in dark clouds mm. and, and typically always find it. Uh, I don't think I've ever really been depressed. Uh, you know, certainly I've been down, but again, I, I always know this too shall pass. And, uh, I, I keep a positive outlook, always looking for the, for, for, for positive things to get me. And there are, are there specific things that you do during the, this too shall pass time periods in your life, specific things that you do that keep you moving forward? Cause I know you do, you're, you're a charger. Yeah, well, it, it, again, it all revolves around relationships mm. to me. So it's not just Sue, who I, I'm with every single day, but also my buddies like you. And, you know, calling up, talking, hey, what's going on with you? 
Uh, are we experiencing the same things? Maybe we can help each other through this. Is it just me that's experiencing it? And if so, what are you doing different than what I'm doing? Maybe I could learn something. Uh, uh, one of our, our mutual buddies, Don Hudson, mm -hmm. uh, he was great. Uh, he would always, you know, when I call him, I'd ask him things, but he would call me and he would say, Tony, since we've, we've talked last, what new things have you discovered, you know, to, to help you improve or get better or whatever? And it always makes you sort of say, what, what was it? What, what is different? And once he started doing that with me, I started doing it with other people. You know, what are you doing different? What's working for you? What isn't working? So, uh, uh, you know, it, it, really, it really does help to, to talk to people and, and let them help you get through any difficult times. As, as sometimes it's very, very little, sometimes not at all. Sometimes, boom, it's like an incredible, uh, idea that somebody gives you that you didn't realize was that big. So, but, uh, you know, a lot of it is I just stay in touch with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're the king of remembering birthdays. I, you know, you, <laughs> you, you, you've shamed me into being better at that because I, I don't think there's ever been a it's year true. that I didn't get a, an e-card from you and, and we've known each other. How long now? I mean, decades. Decades, decades, decades for sure. And, and, you know, I, I truly believe, and, and I, I probably got some of this from you in the early days that you can measure the quality of your life by the quality of your relationships. And, and I totally resonate with you because in my real dark downtimes in 2013, coming out of my dysfunctional vacation in Arizona, um, you know, Bersaba has been there with me. You've been there with me. Mm -hmm. uh, you were one of the few friends that stood with me through the storm. And, and, and probably, I, I, I don't know, I could guess, maybe took some heat from some people. Why are you doing this? Because I was so sure. maligned and attacked in the media. Um, I, I, we met all the way back in the 80s. And, and when I, I, I moved to San Diego from Atlanta, and you were so far ahead of me that you were like a speck on the horizon in, in your business. <laughs> I mean, I could, I could barely envision that for myself. And you opened up to me. And I, I'm curious, why did you open up to me at that time and take me under your wing? Because I did – I approached a lot of people when I moved to San Diego and most of, some, most of them wouldn't even take my call, much less see me. And you opened your office to me and had me come in, if you'll recall. And, and I'm, I'm just curious why, why you did that, because you really didn't need to at that point in your career. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's, it goes back again to my strong belief in relationships. And, you know, it's not that I help everybody, but I, I almost always will take the first call or the first visit uh, and, and size somebody up and decide, you know, is this going, you know, will, will this person be a good person to mentor? Uh, am I willing to spend time with this person, not just from a business perspective, but also a personal perspective? Uh, heck, before you, uh, a couple of years earlier, another person had come down to San Diego from Canada and uh, I met with him, a guy named Brian Tracy. Mm -hmm. uh, this is before he really hit it big. And, uh, and you, you know, were you, you ahead of him at the time? At the time, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that after all these years. Yeah. No, and, and, and see, Brian and I are still very, very good friends. Uh, he and Barbara and me and Sue. No, he and Barbara and Sue and I. Uh, <laughs> Still working on the language. 30 days, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 30 days for more powerful grammar. Uh, right. But uh, we go out maybe every three months, we go out to dinner. Uh, and when you were here, when you were living in San Diego, we were going out all the time. Right. So, uh, but, but going back to your thing, why you? Uh, 
you know, you, you meet with some people and you get a feeling. Is this somebody that I want to do business with? Is this somebody that I want to deepen the relationship with? Uh, and uh, I got that feeling with you. I got it with Brian, uh, Rick Barrera. Mm -hmm. uh, he was also mid eighties was really where a lot of people I connected with. Uh, and uh, that's why, you know, I just saw a potential there. Uh, I didn't realize how much potential because you skyrocketed after a while, way beyond me, you know, so uh, and for a while, Rick Barrera went beyond me, mm. uh, Brian Tracy way beyond me, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think that I think that's a mark of a good mentor. Okay, it, it, really, so. <laughs> it really is. Um, so I know there's a lot of viewers who would say and, and, and I. Well, first of all, do you believe that mentoring is important? Why or why not? Well, I do. Uh, you know, I, I've had mentors and role models. There's a difference, by the way, between the two. A mentor is really a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Hmm. And a role model could be somebody, but a role model could be somebody who's dead. You could be reading about Ben Franklin and say, that's a role model, or hmm. Abraham Lincoln, that's a role model, et cetera. So a role model could be just somebody that I want to aspire to uh, acquire a trait or more of theirs, whereas a mentor, it really is a true one-to-one -one relationship. So you, I really think mentors are important. So, so you don't believe in this? I hear this a lot. You know, hey James, we watch you and Bearsaba on YouTube, and we watch your videos. You're my mentor. So. According to your definition, that doesn't count. <laughs> true or false? No, you're a role model. You're their role model, not their mentor. Right. Uh, so I think that's a really key distinction in today's world, and I like I like the idea of role model. You you've heard me talk about role I, model. Yeah. I, my well, not role model. I've I've called it. They can be your teacher, but mm -hmm. a mentor is different. But I, I think role model is maybe even a better term than teacher, uh, as a role model. So. Let's say that that one of our viewers is is in search of a of a real mentor, and I certainly was when I came to your office. What what specific things would you suggest that they do or don't do when approaching someone that they'd love to to network with and to have as potentially a, a mentor? Yeah, so I I want to bring up the example of Rick Barrera. Mm -hmm. uh, who I think when he came here and wanted to, you know, have me mentor me and uh, Phil Wexler at the time, uh, he was only making like 28,000 bucks a year. Uh, so, but here's what I would suggest. Do your homework, know about the person. Okay. Study the person who you want to be your mentor. Then when you study that person, see, when Rick Barrera came out here, he knew all about me. He knew what I did. And he said, I'd like to partner with you in, in a way and, you know, have you be my mentor. But before you even decide that, allow me to do something for you. Mm. And, and that's what he did. He went out and, and uh, uh, booked a, a, a presentation for us. Uh, and, uh, he wanted to, you know, do some writing with us and we, we had him, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this. And he always went out and did things and came back and said, what else, what else, what else? Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he's a very successful, actually very successful consultant now. Uh, and, uh, so I, that's what I would do. The, the two key things are. Make sure you you study the person. Make sure you're going there and not asking them, you know, with your handout. I want a handout, but but going there, explaining why you want them to be the, your mentor, and possibly what is it that you can also help them with or do for them. And when you get advice from the mentor, uh, and it's good, hopefully good advice, you do it and go back and explain to the mentor what you 
what you did, how it worked, why it might not have worked. You know, could you give me some advice? It didn't work. Uh, and, and just go from there. Just make sure that you keep in touch. Mm. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, do you remember the specifics of our initial meeting by chance? Uh, I don't. Was it, uh, was it at that little place, uh, in, in La Jolla, that little, uh, eating area? It was, no, we met in your office the first time oh, we and, did? and you, you were sitting at a table in the back room. I'm not, I think, I, I don't know for sure, but I think you had a formal office in your home and then you had your team in this small office in La Jolla. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so that that was when I was yeah, on Country Club Drive. Right, yeah. right, exactly. And so I I didn't do my homework. I, I mean, I sort of did. I knew all of your Nightingale Conant programs and all of those things. So I probably got, I would give myself maybe a C or a, or a, <laughs> a C plus on doing homework. But here's here's... I remember it vividly because you had a new program that you just put together. And it, I'll tell you, you know, for the viewer, this kind of dates me and Tony, not Beersaba so much, um, but, <laughs> but it dates me. And, you were even born. No, I was like five. <laughs> no, I think I was five years old. In the 80s? <laughs> 85, 86. Oh, please. I was five years old. So, so... <laughs> So that's why I'm quiet. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you had just and and here's here's the dating part is that it was it was a paper training course that was bound and I don't it was something about team performance or something of that nature and I at the time was doing business consulting. And I remember I came in and sat down across for you and you your first statement we said hello and then you said, "Well, what can I do for you?" And I said, nothing really. I just want to know you. I didn't even fathom that you would take me under your wing. Didn't even <laughs> cross my mind. I just want to know you. And that was genuine. It really, I just wanted to know you. And because you were way, way up there for me at the time. And so then we conversed and you showed me this new program and I was doing business consulting at the time. I hadn't started doing speaking and I had two clients, and I said to you, hey, I might be able to take this program and sell it to my client for you. You know, this might be a good product for them. And so I think with your second piece, even if I didn't get an A on homework, I, I just genuinely wanted to help and to do something to, you know, help spread your message because I believed in it. So I, I think that's a really strong, strong message for people in today's world. You know, I, I fully believe, and I think you would agree, Tony, that winners and leaders don't think about what can I get. They think about what can I give. And the more mm -hmm. I give, then, then just naturally things are going to come back to me. So I, I, sir, I deeply appreciate our relationship and, and let, let's shift gears here for a moment. I, I know your formal education is in marketing, but you built a career and this is transmutation, maybe, but there's certainly corollaries. You built a career about knowing people, their strengths, as well as their challenges. How does this work with marketing as well as the business, you, the businesses you yeah, so, well, going through school, I, my minors were always in the social sciences and psychology, so I always had an interest in that. And again, it almost goes back to that psycho-cybernetics book, uh, which really, really impacted me. Um, and, and I read a lot of self-help books back then, when I was a, a teenager and, and early in college. Uh, but uh, this whole thing about knowing about people, maybe it's this emotional intelligence. I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, I, I, I do feel that I have natural emotional intelligence. I pick up a lot of things about people. Uh, 
facial expressions, body language, uh, vocal inflection, and, and, and without even consciously doing it. It's just an unconscious thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, the whole thing about psych, I, I love psychology. I love the assessments. Uh, it's just something that, that I, I was naturally intrigued with. Yeah. So, you know, a, a lot of it is, you know, this whole concept of being aware of people, uh, uh asking questions, learning about them. You know, if we're looking at the sales process, uh, making sure that, I understand what your problem or need is before I start even talking about any kind of solution. Um, you know, I, we have a saying that, that I've used for actually in my first book, Non-Manipulative Selling, prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. You know, so, you know, a lot of it is trying to understand the person or the situation before uh, providing any kinds of solutions. You know, when I went through marketing, one of the big courses in marketing was consumer behavior. There was psychology. What makes people tick? Uh, what makes them buy things? What affects their behavior? This is all psychology. Uh, and I really think that psychology and marketing are very, you know, it's like hand in glove. Uh, you know, it's not that they're t two totally separate things. Uh, they, they overlap each other. So, uh, I was always intrigued with it. Emotional intelligence. You know, here's one thing about emotional intelligence. Uh, when it comes to hiring people, you can always teach people the job, but it may not be as easy to teach them people skills and this emotional intelligence. Not that you can't teach it, but if I can get somebody who, who automatically has great communication skills, people skills, emotional intelligence, I would hire that person uh, before I would hire somebody who is expert just in product knowledge, because you can always teach the product knowledge. It's a lot more difficult to teach the people skills and communication skills. Not impossible, but more difficult. Um, your your formal education obviously is in marketing, and yet you you built an entire career on knowing about people and different types of people. How how do those two things fit together in your mind? Well, I think uh, marketing and psychology or, or communications are like hand in glove. They fit together. Uh, one of the big courses that I had to take in marketing was consumer behavior. What, what makes people tick? Why do they buy things? What's their psychology? So, you know, I think that they really are closely aligned with each other. Uh, and I always was, I was always drawn to the psychology end of marketing, uh, you know, and, and that's why I got into the assessment business eventually, because it's all about understanding people, what makes, what makes people tick. So, so, you know, we, we live in a world that's obsessed with IQ and you know, we take tests to measure it. We get numbers that we want to grade ourselves by. Some of us are proud of our numbers. Some of us aren't. And yet mounds of research prove that EQ and now what we call AQ, adaptability intelligence, are far and away more predictive of both life and business success mm -hmm. than IQ ever has been or ever will be. I mean, you can be a, an intellectual giant and be an emotional slave. So... I love that you've mentioned EQ a couple of times. I'd love to hear you share your opinion on on that, on EQ and, and its impact on businesses and our relationships and all those things. Yeah. And, you know, there are multiple intelligences. There's not just intellectual intelligence. There's emotional intelligence. There is street smarts, which is, you know, knowing the environment around you. Uh, you know, athletes have sort of a uh, a physical smarts, you know, a, a kinetic or kinesthetic right. kind of smarts. So there's there's a lot of different smarts uh, that, that people have. Uh, but, you know, again, in the world, uh, when we have to deal with other people, okay, uh, 
you know, maybe if I'm not a computer programmer where I'm in a room by myself, meals are slid under the door and I don't have to deal with anybody. Uh, that's rare. Uh, but we all have to deal with people. So if you can have emotional intelligence, uh, in many situations, that trumps the IQ. There are many people with high IQ that absolutely cannot deal with another person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, 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 they're, they're, they're bankrupt when it comes to people skills. Uh, give me somebody who has great people skills and, you know, you can and, and teach them the basics of anything you want them to know and they will excel. They will mm -hmm. excel. So uh, I, I'm a real big advocate of emotional intelligence. You know, I have a soon-to-be seven-year-old grandson, and uh, he had. You can tell right from the beginning that this little kid oozes emotional intelligence. He loves people. He talks to everybody. Gets along with everybody. But what really got me this one time, I went to see him in a little soccer game when he was maybe four or five years old. And it was a, a mixed gender, uh, you know, so girls and little girls and boys. And one of the girls uh, during, you know, them playing soccer had her feelings hurt and she ran off the field crying. He stopped whatever he was doing. He walked off the field up to her and put his arm around her. Oh. Now, now at that age, yeah, uh, it, it's just, you know, this kid's going to go far. Let me tell you, you know, with emotional intelligence. Uh, and I wonder, you know, I wonder with all of the stuff that goes on virtually mm -hmm. uh, with computers, with our cell phones, uh, I wonder if that's robbing too many people of being good with other people. Yeah. You know, well, you kind of read my mind because yeah. I, I, you know, it's interesting. Some of the younger generations say to me, well, I had a conversation with so-and-so. Oh, really? Did you call them? Are you on Zoom? Oh, no, we texted. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not a conversation. But it is to them. So, yeah, you're, you're really, you're mind reading me here because I'm wondering what, what your opinion is on, obviously, your grandson. He may be an anomaly. Because so many younger generations are living in their devices, they don't even look up from yeah. their devices. What what impact is that having on communication, rapport, connection, it's, it's, emotional yeah. intelligence? No, it's terrible. I'm I'm sure that you guys have been out to dinner, and you look at a family, you know, with a one or two kids and the, the mother and father. All of them are on their cell phones. Yeah. Right. They're not communicating. We never did that when we were young. Of course, <laughs> when I was young, there was no such thing as a computer. Uh, and, and you had to be, uh, you know, conversing with people. Uh, you know, when I grew up, it was mandatory that you sat at the dinner table, uh, at yeah. dinner with the family. Whether you were hungry or not, did not matter. You were there and you communicated. There was no, no distractions at the dinner table. Today, you know, I wonder what percentage of families actually sit down and eat a meal together during the day. Yeah. Uh, you might want to talk to that with your experience. No, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with a family where we, we didn't do that. So it was kind of foreign for me because both parents are working and kids kind of, you know, took care of ourselves and were raised by the television. Then came out. Well, there was video games, and then you got the internet coming out, and and I can only imagine for a generation one behind me, it's it's ten times worse because yeah, now you it, got your devices. Yeah, it it really is, and and uh, it robs people of of the practice mm. and mm. the experience that they need communicating with other people. Yeah. Uh, my uh, the the little. Uh, granddaughter that I have, who, who's, you know, with this soon-to-be seven-year-old uh, grandson, uh, she just started, the, my, my daughter 
was going over to the YMCA <clears throat> where my grandson was taking swimming lessons. And so he she put our 17-month-old granddaughter in the uh, the section where they watch the kids. Mm-hmm. And the first couple of times, uh, she was all by herself. She didn't know what to do. Uh, but little by little, you know, the third, the fourth, the fifth time, she started, you know, really playing and connecting mm-hmm. with other kids. So we need that that experience of of getting together with other people, yeah. preferably, preferably physically, face to face, not just right. on Zoom. Although yeah. Zoom is Zoom is pretty good, but it's it, it again, it doesn't truly take the place of one on one. We are together. Right. Uh, and uh, but how many people get on Zoom? You know what they're doing is they're just on their 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 playstations and their games and everything, and not having that that uh, communication experience, and it has an impact. Uh, I mean, I look at what's going on today about how kids in in college, particularly. My gosh, if this went on when I was in college, I don't know. I, would I was going to ask you, how, how would it feel to be a college professor at, at right now? I would have been fired day one. <laughs> day one. Be, because the kids today, in my opinion, and I know I'm, I'm maybe exaggerating here a little. Probably not. But, but, the, but their feelings are hurt way too easily. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and and it almost seems like everything has to revolve around what's important to them. I don't want to be put out. I don't want to be, you know, you said something that that uh, made me unsafe. Oh, um, no. Holy cow. Imagine wow. it, me growing up in Brooklyn in an Italian neighborhood and saying to somebody, <laughs> you said something that made me feel unsafe. Yeah, you want to feel unsafe? I'll give you unsafe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Man, I don't know where all this started. I don't know if it was uh, the baby boomers who coddled their kids, or it was the Gen X who coddled their kids, or if it was everybody getting a trophy, you know, for participation, so that there isn't a winner or a loser. Uh, and you know, I can I can understand the rationale for that, but. It, it seems like it's backfiring. I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm I'm going to get uh, canceled now for all this. No, no, not on, not on our show. You're not because um, we're a we're of a, in a similar position on this on this topic. And and there there is there is research out there that has proven that the participation trophies and and all those type of things they may have been well meaning. Mm-hmm. And yet they've actually created more harm than good. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. also the the millennials, it's pretty well known that they, they don't like feedback. They they really and part of it is is what and and of course Bears was well, half yeah. half millennial. I'm um, half Gen X, half millennial. She's right on the cusp. So I so. can speak to that. Being okay, so being married to James, we're yeah, 24 years apart. So there's a whole generation. Um, and what I could tell the difference with um is do it's such it's so different compared to the men my age or even in their 30s. It's like they're not okay. So I got to be careful how I state this. No, just go. They're 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 boys to me. They're not men. Let's put it that way. The the generation of James, 65, 70, 75, 80, those you guys are it's like a completely different breed of men that don't exist right now. You know, uh, here's here's an interesting thing. One one of our friends, I won't mention a name here, who's uh, actually 65. got divorced and is dating women in their 20s. Now, whether you like that or not, who who knows? But, and so I said to him, what do they see in you? You know, you're you're 40 years older than these women. And here's what he said. He said, the men their age, all they want to do, they're so 
into their games and their own stuff. Uh, whereas I listen, this is what he was saying. I mm. listen, uh, I communicate with them. Uh, and and the, the, the men of their age in their 20s, late 20s, whatever, uh, do not. So yeah. there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, they're into their devices and and look at me on Instagram and take a selfie. Yeah, let me and let me get an app yeah. shot and take a picture of yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's sad. The men, they're yeah, women too. I I don't know. It's, it's well, really you know, I, I I probably a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, I just got I got disgusted with most of the online stuff. I'm only on LinkedIn now, but I canceled. Facebook, I canceled yeah. Instagram, uh, yeah. Twitter. Uh, There's there just so much judgment that takes place on there. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a there's an old saying. I don't know if this is in the Bible or something, but uh, he who is without sin casts the first stone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christ said that. Yeah. yeah, you know, and 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 the thing is, many of these people who criticize, mm -hmm. uh, they have so much. <laughs> baggage in their lives that uh they shouldn't be criticizing somebody else you know sure. oh i don't like the what what you were wearing i don't like you know it looks like you gained weight it looks you know i don't like the way you're bringing up your child or mm -hmm. i mean it's it's just ridiculous you know mind your own business yeah and, and, and that's why i i stopped it all it just was just yeah. a, a bitching session that's what it was <laughs> well i think i you know, going back to the family dinner and the family breakfast that you had, and, and I had, yeah. by the way, and Bersabah didn't have, but we do now. I mean, we, we eat every breakfast yeah, together. Yeah, it's nice. We, <laughs> eat every, we eat every dinner together. We're not on our devices. We we actually talk. We communicate. What a concept, I know. You know? And we have, Seriously, we, we yeah. have our coffee time in the morning is is, is sacred. And, and I, I think we really, our personal opinion, and I don't know how to institute this, but lacking that kind of structure in our family units mm -hmm. and in our world is is causing a lot of problems, and and it's causing separateness and and division and and all these types of things, which is is rampant in our world right now, and so. Yeah. I mean, we could riff on this all day, and this is a topic that yeah. is so important. And let's let's go back to EQ because it's it's all part of this EQ. And you have all these instruments and all these tools for individuals as well as businesses. And I would assume they're good for relationships too to understand. I mean, Bersaba's approach to life is very different than mine and mine is very different to hers and of course i'm right and she's not but um <laughs> and i'm just teasing but to to be able to to measure eq and to understand those things you have instruments to help with that can can i take a test and it will tell me what my eq is yeah absolutely so uh, and, and of course, we don't call them tests, by the way. We call them assessments. Uh, a test in people's minds, it's right or wrong. Whereas the assessment right. is, hey, this is what it is. Now, when it comes to emotional intelligence, we, we strongly believe in the, uh, we, we call it our EQ 360. Hmm. Because we'll ask you a bunch of questions about how you respond to these various situations, what you believe, rate yourself on a scale from one to five. And we find that there is a bias that people think they're more emotionally intelligent than they actually are. The 360 is after you take the assessment, you get a link and you can send that link to any number of people, right? Mm -hmm. and, and ask them, hey, would you answer these questions based on how you see me? Oh. And then when you when you get your results, which is here's how you see yourself, and here's where these other people see you. And the other people can be okay. Uh, let's just say it's in a we're talking on a personal environment. It could be right. okay, Ursula. This is how your spouse sees you. This is how mm. your siblings see you. This is how your 
your your best friends see you. So that's on a personal basis. In a business environment, this is how your immediate supervisor sees you, your your peers, people you don't have any control over, your direct reports. And you can so you can see here's how I see myself, here's how these different groups of people see me. And you start saying, whoa, you know, uh, you know, I either rated myself higher than most people rate me on these things, but lower than how people rate me. They, they rate me better in some areas that I thought I wasn't as good at. It's basically being able, able to really see yourself through the eyes of other people. Uh, so, yeah, our, our emotional intelligence assessment does that. But, but I recommend the 360 because you really get to see how other people see you. And, and generally speaking, is there usually a big disparity between how I see myself and how the people that, that take it on me or about me see myself? I mean, generally speaking, most people. Yeah, no, not, not, a, not a big discrepancy. There mm. might be a bit, you know, there's, I don't know how many questions there are. Let's say that there's 48 questions or 60 questions. There might be a big discrepancy on two or three of the questions but, uh, you know, in general, it's not that far apart. You know, some people rate me better. Some people rate me worse on different things. Uh, but, uh, you know, unless somebody really has some emotional issues, uh, you know, they, even though there's a bias to rate yourself better than you, than you really are, mm -hmm. uh, you don't rate yourself that much better uh, mm -hmm. than, than reality. Interesting. So, and, and and really, if I were to look at here's how I see myself and here's how others see me, uh, the fact of the matter is, the reality is, uh, it's probably closer to how other people see me because I have an intention of how I think I'm coming across, but they tell me how I'm actually coming across, how I'm actually impacting them, and that's really the important thing. It's not how I think, how I believe, how I intend, it's how it comes across to them. And that's what's really important. We could talk all day. Um, <laughs> I, I got to ask this question, though, because, you know, as, as doing mentoring and with, with clients, you know, some, they're all very different. Some of them, if they're younger, particularly, they're very sensitive. <laughs> and and so how does that come into the mix? Because if if I was going to give this instrument to one of my mentees, if you will, and they say, oh, they would rate me as is hard and harsh, oh. but they're really sensitive. You know, I mean, how, how do you how do you compensate for those kinds of differences? Well, how you compensate for it is you use a composite of a group of people, not just an individual. Because mm -hmm. just like uh, an individual may have a bias of how they see themselves, any rater may also have a bias based on what you're you're mentioning. So right. that's why, uh, you know, for instance, one, our, our, one of our big our biggest assessment is the DISC assessment, DISC, mm -hmm. Dominance, Influence, Steadiness, Conscientiousness. And we have a 360 there. And what we do is when we we, we uh, give the report uh, on the left-hand side, left-hand side of the page, this is how you see yourself, the right-hand side of the page, this is how the composite mm. of everybody sees you. And it's, a, it, you know, the, the whole thing of, of uh, what do I call it? Something to the norm, moving to the norm. Right. You know, where we have a gr whole group of people uh, and, you know, and, and then it goes into, you know, the do's, the don'ts, what motivates you, you know, issues. Every page has a different thing. Here's how you rated yourself. Here's how they rated you. And by the way, we do the same thing with couples. We could have a couple's report where on the left hand side is James. The right hand side is Beersheba. That's your style. That's your style. And you start seeing, whoa, you know, here's how different we are in terms of what motivates us, what uh, excites us, uh, you know, our do's and don'ts. And uh, a lot of times clergy 
or, or counselors use this in marriage counseling, mm-hmm. premarital counseling, in a business environment, conflict resolution, where there's you know two people who have to work together or, or two partners in a business, uh, really plays. There's some great things that this does. One of the the problems I have with uh, in general in the past with assessments is they were one and done. People would take the assessment, they'd look at the report, they'd file it away, and that's it. Sort of like right. I did with that, you know, where it said that I was number one speaker. public speaker. I put it away. Uh, but what we do is we show people how to use these assessments in various environments. It's not just a personal growth. It's not just to improve your communication skills. What about team building? What about conflict resolution? Even in terms of uh, hiring potential employees, how does the employee fit in with the rest of the employees? How does uh, a, a potential salesperson, we use benchmarking, which basically is here's how a, a candidate scored and here's what we're looking for in sales, the ideal salesperson. Yeah. How does that match? We even give a percentage, 72% match, 85% match, et cetera. Mm. Well, obviously I'm sold and and I know that <laughs> and 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 I've been sold for a while. I, I know what you're doing is is really of importance. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I I hate to wrap this up. And yet we have to at some point in time. That's how it works. And I know you have a gift for our audience, our viewers today. So why don't you tell us a little bit, tell them a little bit about what your gift is. And it's going to play right off of what we've just been talking about, I'm pretty sure. All right. Let me let me show you what this is. I'm going to, can I share my screen? I sure can. Sure. Let me give you, uh, oops, I will do to give you permission multiple here you go you should be able to know there we go okay so let me show you what i want to share with everybody if you can see that it's about the yes. disc the whole concept of the disc assessment uh wait i, I don't want to play that excuse me <laughs> let me move away from that i'm sorry i clicked on the wrong thing that's okay uh, okay he looks right <laughs> that was uh, not what I wanted. Let me go back to here. It is okay. So there's there's seven sections here. It's a course uh, filmed at the uh, the Lightspeed uh, Virtual Training oh, okay. Company in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 there's seven sections here. We get into adaptability in number four, team building in five leadership in six, sales and service in seven. Uh, we typically charge $99 for this, uh, but uh, for you guys, uh, you're, it's, it's, it's free. And in fact, I'm going to put the link in the, uh, I'm going to stop the share. I'm going to put the link in the chat box, if okay. you will allow me. Yes. So if people click on this link, they'll go to that course, uh, which I put together for you. Uh, The first four sessions uh, are an overview of DISC. This is an incredible, you know, we've talked about emotional intelligence. DISC is uh, at its core about emotional intelligence. We may or may not use the term. Uh, We talk about the platinum rule, which is do unto others as they would have you do unto them. And that's what this course is about. It's about uh, adapting to people, communicating effectively. Uh, and I think once people even look at the first one, you'll see it's very professionally uh, produced, uh, nice and crisp, good visuals, uh, but a real good learning experience. So, uh, and, and after they take this, if they want to take the DISC assessment, they can either connect with me or, or ask you how to, how to do it, but to actually take the assessment itself. So. We'll, and we'll make sure and post we we yeah this gets posted across all of social media and we'll make sure and post the link below yeah. so tony it's it's been a, a joy and a privilege uh, to have you here today and and as always you you bring so much experience and and value and we really really appreciate that and so uh, thank you so much for your friendship and your time today yes, and for sharing uh, god bless you Lots of love to you and Sue, and hopefully Bearsman and I will see you guys again really soon. 
Absolutely. Either in Vegas, we come there, or you come yeah. back to San Diego, okay? Right. Okay. All right. All Take right. care. Take care. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.